0: Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Iron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. This show is brought to you by Earns Tuning, your source for any aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts. Be sure to check out our store at flatironstuning.com and stay tuned with Earns Tuning. Well, welcome back everybody. This is episode number 47 of the Iron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. No. 48. No, this is 48. This is episode number 48 of the Iron Syndicate you, Motorsports you Podcast. get it right. It's, it's just never going to happen um with us today we've got uh, Dussex joining us Scotty's in the shop Nigel's with us here today and the the first thing that I just wanted to touch on as we're recording this, the uh, Long Beach Grand Grand Prix just happened last weekend and for the first time in a good while, global time attack and time attack cars had a presence at the Long Beach Grand Prix and that is a big enough deal that I just wanted to kind of talk about that real quick before we kind of dive into the to the meat of the podcast here and just kind of talk about what what the significance is of that and kind of what everybody's impressions are of how that event like went went for everybody and and what your thoughts are so I don't know who wants to start
1: well I think it's awesome I mean we're we've been talking about how like there's this new golden era this new like era of excitement happening around time attack and time trials And when you start breaking into stuff like that, even if it's like just us celebrating it, I feel like that's like more like that concrete, you know, those pillars are being formed. That's really like saying like, Hey, like this shit's legit. Like it's really happening.
0: Yeah. And it go ahead, Scotty. I was just going to say
2: it it, it was huge that, I mean, Ferris Kartoomy, his times were amazing. Um, he was faster than every single one of the GTD cars. Um, And he was within two seconds of the GTLM cars, you know? So you take like a garage build, you know, like, like Mm -hmm. any of us, it's just, you start out with the passion. You don't have a bunch of money, um, but you just start building and you start refining and you start doing these things to where, you know, you can get out there and like show people what time attack is all about. You know, you have professional race teams, professionally built cars, um, GTD cars are no slouches at all. Um, you know, Cole was, I think a second off of their time and Ferris beat him by, I think two seconds, but it's, it's just huge. It's huge that, you know, you could take garage built cars and, and go out there and put those kind of times down.
0: Well, and there's another detail to that, which is Long Beach is a street circuit. This is not a this is not a course that's in place all the time. And what that what that means and why that's a big deal in this conversation is because Time Attack has not run there in a number of years, none of these guys had ever driven on that course before. So it's so like they, they only and they only got one session per day. They got a session on Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, and that's it. And so that's why you saw the times for a lot of these guys like really dropping down because they're, they're just learning this track. They're just finding out like, oh, this is, this is what I can do in this corner. This is what the car will do in this corner. So like even if they can come back next year, I bet you that, that a good chunk of those guys are going to be faster still just because now they've, they've had those cars on that track once and they've got that experience that they can build on versus, I mean, pretty much everybody was coming into this blind this year.
2: I mean, well, I mean, blind they, is a they, good way to even talk about the corners, right? Right. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. around every yeah. 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 And yeah. I mean, so you have driving simulators where you can practice on that track. And the, the other cool thing is they actually had driving simulators there. And the competitors were actually using that. Like oh, yeah. Like Jack, Jackie Ding was out there in the Sims, you know, driving lap after lap after lap on that track and then got in his car had a bad day on Friday, couldn't put down a good time, had a bad day on Saturday, couldn't put down a good time, went out on Sunday, and uh, what was it, 127? I think yeah, that's I think,
1: right. Yeah, he was a second faster than JC.
2: Yeah. it's just like and it came then, out of nowhere. Well, it's Jackie. Kind of Dick. nowhere. It doesn't yeah. just come out of nowhere. I mean, the, <laughs> right. the, the guy can drive.
0: much but, A much but, faster
2: yeah. time on that last day. But Sims Sims don't. Don't like put that fear of those walls into you as much. You know, you're yeah. in a sim. And it's just like, oh, I bounce off a wall.
0: When you're out there, <laughs> it's, yeah, there's I'm sure there, it's a completely different beast. And there's walls everywhere. There's yeah. there's not a lot of runoff. It is like, you know, like course uh, was it? Uh, I don't know. Course rules or, or course parameters like the, yeah, the track wall limits is yeah. A wall. The track <laughs> limit the, the track limit is a wall. Like so, if you exceed <laughs> the track limits, you're you are in a wall. You've hit a wall. Yeah. So that, that's, I mean, that just like, that changes the mentality of, of of, like, I would, for me, it would change it a lot of how much I would be willing or or wanting to push, I think. So, but I was, I mean, they worked through it and it's, it's just a big deal. And and the other really cool thing is just how much, how much spectator presence or how much spectator interest it seems like there was in time attack. You know, it's there, everybody is there to watch racing for the whole week. Any car was of course like the showcase but it seems like there was there was a lot of spectator presence to watch all the time attack runs and and it, and you just hope that there's like a couple people in those stands that see what these cars are and they've got the opportunity to talk to the drivers and, and the crews and stuff and see the cars at the pits that it just sparks that interest uh, and and hopefully hopefully like down the road that that makes a really big impact
1: mhm i mean i well, think another on thing social. Yeah, oh, right, right, I was going to say just, I mean, to even tack onto that a little bit, it wasn't like every single car they had were just like Ferris's car. There was a lot of cars, a lot, like a lot of variety of cars. And the fact that people might've seen like, Oh, that just looks like a WRX that my buddy has at home. Like it might even give them an idea. Like, shit, I could be doing this. Like why? Like I want to get into it. Why? Like I could do this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's almost, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was like looking at the social posts and what those drivers were all tagged in. It was like, you know everybody that was there was taking videos of like relatively normal looking cars all the way up to the the unlimited class cars like check out how cool this is Mm -hmm. you know because we we were watching all the drivers share their posts and like anybody that was there was taking you know fly by videos and stuff and it was it was huge to see the support that 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 the fans of indycar gave to every session that was there
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think down the road I mean this, this could really be one of those turning points where this, this is the platform that gets time attack enough exposure to really kind of like get it into that over that hurdle where like all of a sudden the spectator interest and in the, in the, the people that are gonna go and like kind of like what we talked with the, the guys that are organizing all this is like it's gonna inspire somebody to, to go to their garage and start building something to come out and running in one of the one of the possible classes. And and hopefully just it just gets a lot more participation to the sport. So it's a big deal. It's exciting. Big deal. Yeah, cannot and wait one to thing see before what,
3: we, go ahead. I was gonna say one thing before we go. Like Ryan mentioned like JC, like there was a huge amount of Subarus there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They and they all showed up really well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah,
3: there's yeah, twenty
0: no. cars, five of them were Subarus.
1: Yeah, and That's I don't think cool. they broke down. I think uh, it was the mm-hmm. Honda that
0: broke down. <laughs> the irony. So take that, Viet. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, so, so as we're, as we're kind of rolling past that, I had a question that I wanted to throw out there and, uh, for us to talk about today. So my, my question is this, I think, I think everybody here on this podcast at one point or another has had a handling issue or, or some kind of a, a driving issue with their car that we've had to work through. And my question is, where do you start with that? Do you, do you start by, by throwing parts at, at the car? Do you start by changing settings on the car? Do you do both? And as the rider to that, do you ever start with what you as a driver are doing and change your input in the car to try and fix the issue before you throw parts or change setup on, on the car? And I'd like to jump in
2: and say that hanging out with Ryan... Um, for the last few years and watching the way he calls him, his ducklings have Mm. come up. I it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think he's doing a really good job of getting these people to really pay attention to their driving first before they go through a bunch of money at their car. Um, and, and I think that that is the best way to fix a handling issue is with input and education and l- looking at data and, and getting feedback. Um, I think that's the best way to do it. Now, the issue is, is that nobody does that. The majority, people. People, yeah. the majority of people, the majority of people do not do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think, Nigel? Where, 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 do, where have you started or where would you start now? Um, I really think it
3: depends on your goal, right? So like if your goal is lap time and you have money to throw at it, you don't necessarily need to be a better dri- driver to get better lap time if that's your only goal. And if you don't care about being a better driver, you don't have to, you don't have to work on that. I think that's wrong and you shouldn't do that, but people <laughs> can and do. You know what I mean? So, for me, like, there's there's a little bit of both in play. Where, like, let's say the car's understeering um, a little bit at like mid-corner into the exit, you could probably set the car up into the corner better. Maybe adjust your line a little bit so that the car doesn't want to push. If if that goes against your comfort level, if you're no longer comfortable driving the car through the corner as quickly um, because you're changing something about that, that can be an issue. If you can do a very quick setup change to the car to reduce the understeer, to keep you in a comfort zone, you might go through that corner faster without changing your line, without changing anything about your driving style because of your comfort level. You might be able to go faster with with a setup change. The, The flip side of that is also, you can, if you can adapt to it, you might be able to get the car in its present state to go around faster than you were doing without any setup changes, without throwing parts at it.
0: Yeah, well, and, and so, so let me say, let me clarify where this question came to me from. There's, there's, a, there's a Facebook group where there's a lot of, let's say track Subaru drivers that are, that are there. And this one guy was having an issue with his car a handling issue. And he said, Hey, I've got this part that I've ordered in that I'm going to put on my car to fix this issue. And, and just kind of like to let it know. And, and I think he was checking for wheel clearance or something like that. But then all of a sudden what came out of that conversation is out of it it precipitated a big conversation, which was, well, if you're having this issue, that isn't the part you need, you need this part or you need this combination of parts. You need to do this. You need to do that. And almost the entire conversation, which was pretty like it went on for a while, was this part versus that part versus this part. And it was and it was mid-corner understeer, as is kind of Nigel had alluded to. And it's like there's there's a lot of possible causes for that. And it was really it really struck me that parts was was the mm. the primary focus of the entire conversation. It's like you need these sway bars, you need these wheels and tires, you need this tire pressure this, this alignment, that alignment, whatever it's, it's all, it was all parts and setup and there was never any like drill down to, okay, well tell me more about this mid corner understeer that you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Like, is it, is it every corner? Is it just one corner? Is it a couple corners? You know, what are you doing with it? It, And so it, it was what it made clear is that the kind of like we've talked about that the mindset is really, it's not me, it's the car. And so I have to fix the car because it's not anything that me as the driver or I as the driver I'm doing to cause this. So I've got to, got to, you know, fix the car. It's an, it's an interesting, interesting mindset to come at a problem from.
3: It felt like the assumption was made that the driver had done everything they could do and was already a good enough driver to expose this problem in the car. And mm. that was it. It was, you're good enough to figure out that there's a problem with the car fix the problem with the car. And that was the whole conversation around driving.
1: Right. Yeah. Or, or
3: fixing the
0: car.
1: I think like it's so much of it. And we've talked about it before on previous podcasts about like, are you mechanically minded or not? I think it helps so much if you could like figure out how to communicate what it's doing, when it's doing it. And then if you can back it up with video, like where you can see your hands and stuff, you know I mean? When people ask those qualifying questions, you're able to respond. Cause I get that sometimes from people too. Like, so Nick Steniford, I'll, I'll name drop him right now. I mean, a couple of years ago, I'd ask him, "Is like, what is it doing when it does this? Like, oh, I don't know, man. It just feels pushy. Like, does it feel pushy? Like when you lift off, does it feel pushy when you give it a gas? Does it feel pushy when you turn in? Do you feel like you're turning in too late? He's like, it just feels pushy. I'm like, you can't, you can't help somebody. And
0: with that's just like
1: that one yeah. piece of advice, you know? Right. Or and, one
0: piece of input. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One piece of input. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like you got to start with trying to figure out like even the basics of dynamics of like trying to drill down that issue to as many of the little pieces you can. So somebody says to you, like, I don't know, what does it do during this, this, and this, like, not everybody can just hop out on PPIR on the roval and then go and tell you what the car does. Right. But you know, those are the things that maybe you do before you spend $1,300 on a part.
2: Well, and so that's that whole thing of like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, if you don't know, what the car is doing, where, then how do you, you know, explain it or how do you help fix it? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, there are, there are certain things that you can just throw money at a car that will definitely make it better. No matter what, for example, differentials, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, if you're, if you throw differentials at a car, um, you should know that it will help you get out of a corner faster, but you have to know how to drive those differentials. You have to know how to mm-hmm. use those differentials to their fullest. If you throw a bunch of money into differentials and you go out there, I mean it could be completely worse for you because you still don't know what you don't know. You don't know mm-hmm. what the car is doing. You don't know even know how it's supposed to act. So
0: mm-hmm. well, and, and even more to that point, so, and, and just as a quick asterisk, I would say in the rear, it's easy. In the front, the setup yeah. of the diff is really going to be important to make it work. But but to your point, Scotty, so you're, you're, you're a driver of this car and you put differentials in, that, in, this, in this car. Now you as that driver, if you're going to get a benefit from making that change, you're going to have to change what you're doing. You, you can't, almost, there's almost no way that you as a driver in that car with that change could do exactly the same thing that you were doing before the change, after the change and see a significant benefit for it. You might see just a smidge but you're going to have to be able to drive the car and feel what is different, what, what, what has now changed by putting those differentials in to be able to utilize it. So once you start to feel what the difference is, to then figure out how you as the driver can take advantage of that difference, that's when you would really get, get the benefit for it. Sure. Hi, Sam. Ah, uh, hey, yes. Aw, Sam. <laughs> yes. I, I'm telling you, I think Dogs of and Syndicate podcast, it's, it, it's yeah. coming coming the, someday
1: i think uh i think one of the advantages that we have collectively i'll say as a team is that uh is that we help each other kind of mentor each other in a sense like there's things that like sometimes there's things that you can be so good at and you could be so blind to it at the same time like i know mm. that i'm this this and this and scotty comes in and is like what the hell are you doing on turn two I'm like what are you talking about I was like you're turning in way too early your back end's getting way out of control and you're matting the gas. And that's why you're driving off the track. Like, oh, you know, because you think, I don't know, sometimes you just got to be checked up. I think for people, a lot of people across the world, look at the internet as like their communication to like their friends because not all of their friends are around them. But sometimes I think it just helps to like, think of doing motorsports as a team sport. You might be competing against your teammates, like me and Scotty compete against each other in time trials. But at the same time, too, um, that's the the other person that you bounce data and information off in real time. So instead of like going through a track day or going through like a a competition weekend and then trying to get questions answered on the internet, and then, of course, you're getting a lot of advice. I'm not going to say it's all bad advice. And then go and try and do that and then do it again at a different track and different conditions. When you're at like a, a track weekend and it's you and a couple of your buddies, you can talk about it like hey dude like my car feels like it's pushing really bad it's like well yeah you're like totally blowing the apex like we tried not doing that right <laughs> right
2: right <laughs> well and that's but that's another thing about like being <clears throat> you can get the track whether you're there with your buddies or not mm-hmm. everyone at that track is your family yeah you absolutely. know there's a world of information out there you just have to be willing to reach out and start talking to people mm-hmm. about it and you know you talk to 50 people at the track you're probably going to get 50 different responses as to what you're doing wrong also so similar to the internet you mm-hmm. know similar to getting on whatever Facebook group and saying, "Well my car's doing this you know you mm-hmm. could get 50 different answers but if somebody asks the right leading questions and you have the ability to give the correct feedback, mm-hmm. you know you, you think things can be fixed that way or at it's least very mayf- similar point. to. You.
1: Or at least make those adjustments quicker where you're like, okay, that's what I need to think about. Okay. Let me go and do that real quick
3: yeah, Sure. You know?
1: or try it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's very similar to like, um, if you if your car is making a noise, you don't know. Well, it's clunking. When is it clunking? What, right. Where does it sound like it's come from? You know, what conditions does it happen under, you know, anything like that? I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just started clunking. I don't know. Like you're going to get a million different responses for what mm-hmm. it could possibly be. You know, if if you can learn how to communicate exactly that issue, you know, hey, into turn four, as I'm coming off the brake, the rear end of the car wants to scoot around on me. Like, okay, that is a very specific issue that a lot of people may have experienced. And you're going to get a lot less variety in the answers, Mm -hmm. you know, And and then at that point they can say like, okay, how are you coming off the brake? Not just like, well, the rear end of the car is too stiff can, Mm -hmm. you can dial into both sides of the equation. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and at a track day, sometimes having a conversation with either the guy that was following behind you for a couple of laps going like, Hey, what did you see? Like, was, was I lifting a rear tire? Did I ever hit the apex or like the guy that's ahead of you that you're just, you're struggling to catch to go up to them. It's like, man, how are you pulling away from me in turns three and four? Like, what are you doing? What is, what is your approach to those corners? To take in to, to take that different approach in and see like what if you can if you can implement anything that they're doing or, or make sense of it. I mean, though that can be that can be where track days become really awesome because you know like if, if you if you don't reach out to other people that you're on track with, you know you, you're not going to be able to get any of those insights. But then once you a lot of times once you break that ice and you start talking to people that are out there on track with mm-hmm. you they might have questions for you. And then all of a sudden, like you do that a couple of times. And like, all of a sudden these are the people that you're talking to before you go on track, you go on track, you talk to them when they come off. And that's where track days become awesome and a lot of fun because you've got mm-hmm. all these people out there. You can just try and help each other out and help help each other go faster. And, and then it makes a lot more fun.
2: We or just you become best friends, to
0: each, yeah, right? to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just become best
2: friends. Yeah, exactly. But, but so uh, part of the, the topic of this whole conversation is, those people who don't talk to anybody that think that they know exactly what they're doing. So as opposed to trying to figure out what they're doing wrong, they just realize there's something wrong with the car and then they go home and throw us a bunch of money in in hopes to, you know, put parts on the car that'll fix Mm -hmm. their, their driving problems.
0: Well, and, and the, one of the underlying points that I wanted to, kind of get at with this is that that one of the things that is it seems like it is missed a lot like I I don't want to say everybody misses this but it's that you as the driver like what how you drive the car has a really big impact on how the car is going to drive and what the car is going to do Um, you know if you ever have the experience of like you're at the track you're driving your car and then if you've got like an instructor somebody that's like way more experienced in a similar platform, what have you, that can hop in the car and you can ride along with them. That can be a real eye-opening experience because it's like if you think that you're getting every amount of performance out of the car, then somebody hops in the car and they're five seconds faster than you, mm-hmm. what is it's same car, same day, what's the difference? Well the difference is their their approach to driving their skill as a driver versus your approach and your skill as a driver. Yeah, And and sometimes, like, having a picture or being able to experience what a difference just that driving skill and driving approach can do can give you a, a, an appreciation of just how much of an effect you as the driver have on, on the car and what it can and can't do, too. And and that's – I just wanted to kind of get to that point or make that point.
1: And, well, you so- know, and you can – in that driving style that you have in that technique compounds other problems, too.
0: Like it just, right, you know, gets the ball rolling. And 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 thank you, Ryan, because that's the other point that I wanted <laughs> to get to, which is, if if you like my car, it understeers every time a corner entry. And so you you throw parts and setup at the car to fix and, and give you better turn in a corner entry, but it's because you're you're going into hot, you're you're turning in too aggressively. You you, you know, there, there's some other issue that you. As, as, as the input that you're giving the car is creating, you can use the parts to fix it, but if you ever figure that out, you might actually have now made the car significantly worse
2: mm-hmm. because
0: you've 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 overcorrected to, to basically give you a better seat of the pants feel in that in that one certain circumstance. Mm-hmm. And and or like if if you if you set the car up that way, you might have better turn in, but now the car is going to be worse everywhere else. And that's where that's where like it could it could really hamper the performance of the car like long-term because now you've just got to set up that like even the best driver really couldn't take great advantage of it because it's just Mm -hmm. so set up for this, this one, one way that you, you, you use the car.
3: This is one of those things where like a, a a professional race team with a team of engineers, they'll build a car to be the fastest it can be around a lap on paper. And it's Mm -hmm. up to the driver to adapt to the car and drive it the specific way the car needs to be driven to get around a lap as fast as it can go on paper.
0: Yeah, it's close to it. Yeah. And then where it gets really interesting is like in, in endurance races where you've got multiple drivers in the same car. <laughs> yeah. Because that's that's where a lot of times you can find out that there's a lot of different driving styles. And if you if you are not able to be aware of, of what a driving style is and what your driving style is, and how to adapt that driving style to a different platform, that would be that would be an environment that would be yeah, you know, probably not a lot of fun and really challenging, mm-hmm. um, but it, but it would definitely, you know, if, if anybody that's listening has been in that situation, I mean, that's something to, to think about is like, if you had that struggle, if you had those issues, it's like, well, maybe you need to think about you know how you use a car. Like, are you always trail braking? So like you have to have the car set to be extra stable. So there's your trail braking. You're not going to lose control. Then you hop into a car that the person never trail brakes and you do that. And the car just spins out because, yeah. It's got a completely different setup that's not conducive to that kind of driving. So, there, there's, so much, there's so much to it about the person who's sitting in the driving seat that has nothing to do with the parts of the setup. The parts of the setup are relevant to the person in the driving seat, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it is definitely a two-way street. It's much more of a two-way street than I think it is often thought of.
2: Yeah, well, so Subarus. The general consensus from damn near everybody in the world is that Subaru is understood. Yeah. Um, that, you know, all wheel drive platform, they understeer. So, you know, I made the mistake of putting a bigger front sway bar on my car. And I drove with that bigger front sway bar for shit, seven years. And oh, yeah. it wasn't until this year when Ryan drove my car and he's just like, man, the turn in it's, you know, the turn in sucks. Um, when you actually told me that. Two years ago, too. We were like, it's <laughs> numb. It's just numb at turning. Um, but, you know, t- t- taking that step back of like, y- you know, a bigger front sway bar doesn't help this thing. And, and like better turn in, going with the, the, the stock sway bar set up on that, it made a world of difference. But I-, I was, I fell victim to that. Just throw fucking money at parts and it'll make the car faster and yeah i mean you get a lot of people who do that oh yeah well
0: and, and i think that a lot of people if they, especially if they never tracked the car before they will get on the internet they will get on the forums they will get in the groups and like hey you know what what are what are the common problems with these cars and yeah i mean understeer series understeer i mean you're you're going to you find that almost all the time and so the, a lot of times they'll just start their build around well these are all the known issues i'm going to fix all those known issues so that when i go out there and track the car for the first time i have a better experience but like it's really hard it's really hard in driving to vet um advice especially Mm -hmm. if you're coming in it from a low level like if you without much experience is what you're being told the right thing or not and and a lot of times it's really hard to know and and that's where you, you're a lot of times or almost all the time, you're better off. Like take a piece of input, input, a piece of advice or, or, or a part that you should try and then take that small step and try it out and see if it works for you or if it doesn't. And then, and then just build on whatever, whatever that experience is versus just kind of continuing to follow whatever advice you can find because it, it may or may not work for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I
2: ran through the old meat grinder. Yeah. You know, the, the, you don't know what you don't know. Think again. So you have one issue. And so to fix this problem, I'm going to throw all this money and all these parts at it. And you have no idea what, well, maybe it fixed the problem. Maybe it partially fixed the problem. It, it You didn't change your driving style. You're driving it the same way, but one of these parts in the $5,000 that you threw at your car, kind of fixed that one problem, right? But you have no idea what part it was, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to like, well, let's start with one thing. Let's just start with the rear sway bar. And that's, that's a hard thing to do, um, to, to, to talk people into like, Oh, you, you want to take your, your 2018 STI to the track. You know, first thing, just take your 20. Well, I take that back, put some better brake pads in some better brake fluid, and then go to the track, <laughs> yep. um, but it probably but a couple like, times. Yeah, uh, for a, a whole season, maybe sure. two. You, yeah. you know, it's like a person who's just getting into the track. It'll probably be at least two, maybe three seasons before they can outdrive the stock setup. Mm-hmm. So it, it comes
3: down to seat time for me, where like it, not oh, even just outdriving us. We're yeah, talking right? about seat time, time again.
0: Uh. Time? <laughs> Weird.
3: Sorry, Yep. But. I got to put like a, a quarter in the bucket, yep. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like exactly like you're saying, like out driving a stock setup, or even like you you've already modified your car, get to the point where you can, can out drive that. Like how many, how many times do you go to the track in a year is your lap time at the end of the year, identical to the lap time at the beginning of the year. Or did you shave off time? Every time you went out mm-hmm. to the track, every mm-hmm. single time you got out and you found out something new, you didn't touch the car for a year and you're two and a half seconds faster. At the end of the year, go out at the beginning of the next year and continue knocking off time until you're mm-hmm. at a plateau where you can do nothing else. And then you're like, okay, I'm searching for more lap time. I've done the work like on a personal driver level to get the car, to do what I want it to do. I'm not seeing any improvements. I've tried other lines and went slower. Because if you stop trying things, you're going to plateau. Keep trying things and you find out, well, I took a new line through four and now I'm losing three quarters of a second every lap. I'm going to go back to my old line, you know, that kind of thing. Then start really learning, okay, here's where the car is losing time for me. And then you can start throwing things to the setup, throwing parts in the car for those for those places and start dropping that lap time again and then you have to relearn because if like let's say you do diffs you have to relearn how to drive the car and Mm -hmm. you have to learn again how to get that lap time down and then get down to that plateau of your learning is no longer the thing making you going faster a part can be the difference to make you going faster
0: well and so you you bring up kind of an interesting point related to that which is data and and because if you don't have any data, you're not going to have that information. You, you have nothing to base it against. It's all completely seat of the pants, and that's it. So if you don't have anything to compare it against, you don't know. So if you're if you're just going out there for a track day, it's just like, was it fun? Was it not fun? Like, could I catch this guy? Could I not catch this guy? But you don't have anything to really solidly base anything on. So it's just, it's extremely hard to tell or know anything. Mm-hmm. So the more that you start having information that you can actually quantify, like, was this better? Was this not better? Did, did the car feel better or not? I mean, that, that can certainly tell you something. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's really like, as you go out there to try and get as much information about what you're doing as possible. And, and like track video can, can really be helpful or, or like these apps that we've talked about mm-hmm. uh, going way, way back to, you know, just talk about data. That that is a huge piece of the puzzle because if you can't tell if you've made an improvement or not, then then it's really just you're it's just you're guessing you're speculating. Hey,
2: if the <laughs> only thing you're paying attention to is lap time, you, you know that is yeah. just like that. The only thing you're caring about is getting that lap time down, but yeah. then you're you're not going any faster. But you're not looking at the data to figure out why you're not going any faster. That's that's, you know? one, and that's point. It, and, one point. It's one point, and that's one of those things of like having ryan drive my car is comparing our data as far as just like i mean the lap times are the lap times right but what do you you, do how much speed yeah how much speed are you carrying through turn one at pueblo you know uh, like where's your turn in point yeah um you know that's that's huge
0: yeah so i think that like that would be the other thing is like once once you get to the point where this is not just a fun activity where you actually want to start focusing what you're doing and trying to improve and, and trying to improve your proficiency. Like really getting as much information about what, what is going on every time you're at the track is really an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and being able to like, I mean, it's imperial evidence, right? Like you
1: have numbers that say this is what happened. But being able to like justify, I tried this new line through turn three or turn four, and man, I was just slower. I was like, yeah, you did it like five o'clock in the afternoon. Let's look at a couple of other things that maybe quantify why you were actually slower when in fact you would be faster in better conditions. And I mean, there's a lot of things like that. A lot of that stuff with the data that you can use to, to basically quantify your changes, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and then related to that, I would say, I would say that one of the things you want to like, once you, once you start to get into this mindset of like, I'm going to, I'm going to be going to the track more. I'm going to really start trying to put effort into going faster and improving my driving. One of the things that you want to kind of always keep in your mind is consistency. Like you really, I think you really really want to get to the point where there's not a lot of surprises for Mm -hmm. each lap on the track. Like, you know, like, okay, turn four, this is my breaking point, this is my turn in point, this is the apex I'm trying to hit, and this is my exit point. So that you can get to the point where like, your approach for that corner is gonna be consistent most every single time. That once you get unless, to the point where you can- Unless but, it's wrong though. True, yeah. but, but it, if like you're not if,
2: cons- if, if, if you're consistently doing it wrong, you're not helping. And that goes back to what Nigel was saying about trying different lines sometimes. You know, right. y- you, you, you do need to be consistent, but you also like, if you're not going any faster, you do need to start trying different things. So I think it's, I think it's more than being consistent.
3: It's being conscious, being conscious of what you're doing. Like if you're trying to, to, to hit a breaking marker and you can't make it to that breaking marker before you're like, you're on the brakes, you know, a car length, two lengths before you know, you should be braking, You're mm. just being conscious of that. Like, no, I've I definitely hit that breaking marker every time. Well, let's look at your video. Well, I didn't take any video. Well. You know what I mean? Like that's where the data and video comes in and like right. learning how to do things correctly. But like how many, how many drivers have you talked to at the track and who have said like, oh, I nail that apex every time. And right. you look at the video and they're completely missing it. But in their, in their mind, in the car, at the, in the moment, they're hitting it spot on every time they hit their braking. They wouldn't be out there doing it and thinking anything confidently about themselves if they thought, they were missing every braking marker, if they're missing mm-hmm. every turn in point, if they're missing every apex, if they're getting on the power in the wrong way, you know, being conscious of what you're doing and be able to communicate exactly what you're doing. Well, I'm hitting the brakes of the two marker. What you're doing is you're hitting the brakes earlier. So that the car is already slowing down by the two marker, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, to verify those differences and and having a driver able mm-hmm. to communicate what they're feeling in the, in the car at the same time is just as important as being consistent. I'd say the consistency comes in, in terms of getting to the track consistently, getting on track sure. consistently. Sure.
0: Well, and, and to be fair, I would even say to your point, Scotty, even if you're taking the wrong line through a corner, but you're doing it consistently every single time, that's still a good foundation to to then try different things. Like say, say you're, okay, I know that this is my line through this corner, But I cannot hit the apex. I have I've never hit the apex in this corner. Once you once you're like the mystery is 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 removed from that corner, but you know it's not working, that's when you can try different things. Okay, I'm gonna break a little bit earlier, I'm gonna break a little bit later, I'm gonna try and you know like lift off instead of breaking and then like change how your change where your turning point is. Until you hit the apex and then you feel like that the corner works. Once you're consistent enough to like try different things, find what works, but then apply that new solution every single time. That's where like, as you as you kind of work your way around the track and, and figure out each corner, then that's where you start to see time just really start to fall off um, versus, so, go ahead.
2: So one of those things is like Pueblo, for example. I feel like I'm pretty consistent at Pueblo. I feel like i put down a pretty decent time at Pueblo. Um, I I did, I don't know, it was like a what was it, a 138. And then that night we did a track walk. And as we're mm. doing that track walk, I'm actually going through data. We're all talking about it where are you apex where are you apexing, you know, and I'm going through the data and actually looking at video. And I feel like I'm pretty consistent. On that track walk, I realized I missed the apex on the exit of turn one. I completely missed the apex on turn two, you know, mm. and, and it was just like. That was my fastest lap and i missed two apexes one and two you know i didn't even look at the rest of the fucking lap because i was just like obviously there's still time to be had there (laughs) in just those two corners you know i need to go back out and try and be consistent on those two corners and actually hit those apexes you you know so yeah i mean that that data that that data is 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 huge yeah i'm i'm full i'm full throttle here at this point the data shows otherwise
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, in, in, in another experience that doesn't come usually until a fair amount later is is kind of like what you're what you're alluding to, Scotty, is where you, you got to a point where the car is the car and you're not you, you're, you're comfortable in the car. You don't really feel like there's any kind of deficiencies in it. And but but, you know, like I remember there was a point where you had gotten down, I think it was to like a 202. And you weren't even sure if, if your car could get sub two minutes or to a two-minute flat. And you didn't make a lot of changes to the car. You just kept driving it, seat time, putting mm-hmm. a little tick up there. But then all of a sudden, you, you found maybe a different line. You're, you're, you're actually hitting the apex in you know turns one, two, and three, carrying more speed onto the back straight. So that even though maybe you don't have the optimal, like optimal, optimal line at turn four, it's not hindering you as much anymore. Your, your, your speed on the back straight was higher. And then all of a sudden you just shaved off like two seconds. And so that experience of like, Hey, I, this is as fast as the car can go, not changing anything, but except for how you're driving the car and then all of a sudden finding time. It's like, well, wait a minute now, how much I just found this much time, how much more time is there in the car to find you know, it's, it's like that. That's one of those things where once you experience that, then you realize that that's kind of what cements the possibilities or, or the potential in what you as the driver have to control how fast the car is or, or the ability to make the car as fast as it possibly could be. But until you really kind of can experience that or have that that full on experience, it's, it's kind of hard to quantify because it just it feels like you're just kind of like stuck in this in this zone where progress just is, is hard to make.
2: Yeah. So, and Ryan, one, one of the kids that drives with you with SECA. um, Trey Tyler. Uh, blue. Somebody made huge improvements this year. Yeah. And, and that all came down to seat time, right? Very yep. little changes to the car.
1: Yep. A Trey. I mean, so Trey Tyler was a guy I instructed at, uh, last year, like basically September of last year for the first time. And, um, uh, High planes with NASA, uh, he would he got down to like a two eighteen, I think something like that. Follow, doing the lead follows in my BMW. This year, I think he was doing he almost did two o twos and almost the same car. He he did kind of like reach out at the end of the year and like, hey man, I want to make improvements to my car. I want to get sway bars. I want to do this. I want to do this. was Like all right, just stop all that and just do this one thing, which was have some custom built coilovers made. I was mm. like, start with that start with decent tires and then go from there. He has been on that setup all year and he was like three or four tenths off of me last weekend at, uh at uh PPIR like running around the oval. I was like the second fat or I was the first fastest fendered car and he was like the second or third fastest. So, wow. I mean, wow. a big part of that has been seat time. He's been driving, he drives on the Sims. He gets a lot of feedback and and I'm going to put this little mini plug in there for just instructors out there. But if you've got a good instructor, you've got an ally and a mentor, you know, and just because I, you know, was instructed in one time at NASA doesn't mean that I would never help him with anything else. So he took a full advantage of having somebody that he didn't know before, who knows that, who he knows now to help him with this build. And I think a lot of people could benefit from, know, that $400 or whatever it costs to have an instructor investment or like you did that three R school, right? Nigel and stuff. And you got somebody else who maybe has experience with your car, but you got somebody else, you know, who's got experience with that track and can help you with some of those bad habits and stuff. But more importantly, you should be able to give you an ally where you have somebody that you can reach out to. It's like, Hey, listen, I'm trying to do this. Can you help me with that? And then they can ask you those questions. You already have kind of trust built with them. So, I mean, I think ultimately everybody, if they can afford it, which they should find, if people can afford $1,200 control arms, they can afford at least one instructor session, you know, and get an instructor and hopefully you drive with them. And that instructor is just a dude that's in your back pocket all the time. You ask them whatever you need and they're just your ally from there on out. I know Nick does that. Nick Stanford answers questions from people he instructed two years ago to help them with their lines and help them with their driving and stuff. Yeah,
2: the the NASA instructors, I mean, HPDE, Mm Uh, mm-hmm. One, you have to have an instructor out there. Yep. And you don't always get the same instructor, but that's one of those things where, like, those are the people that are calling Nick yep. from two years ago in an yep. HPD one session where Nick actually gave them the feedback, the correct feedback in the correct mm-hmm. way to the point where it changed that person forever. And now he trusts that yep. person.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And so, spent...
0: if you right, go ahead, Nigel.
1: Go ahead, Nigel.
2: I was going to say
3: I spent half as much on a day of driver's school that I did on my new coilovers. And I dropped a second and a half at driver's school and the coilovers just made the car feel better.
1: <laughs>
3: like, you know what I mean? It, the, the driver's school has been two years since I took that, the two mm-hmm. classes, the two full days. And I still talk to, everybody at three R, I talk to their their drivers. I can reach out about anything. They're always super available. Like I talk to them about, you know, driver specific stuff. I talk to them about car setup stuff. All of it. It's they're they're exactly that. They're they're an ally. They're like a part of my my team. And mm-hmm. if I need to, you know, reach out to them about anything, my car, hey, I have a friend. Hey, I saw this driver who did this. Was that right? Anything. They're they're always there. And it was more impactful for me in the short and long term because mm-hmm. on that day dropping a second and a half and then just nailing that time six laps in a row within like two tenths of a second i mean like that was huge for me in terms of like confidence and ability but then like the the cost of it was like upfront, like wow, it's a lot for like a track day it was like mm-hmm. you know a track day is like 90 bucks or something for half a day or 100 bucks or whatever for half a day at high balance it's like a lot of money for like a track day it's nothing like a track day it's so 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 helpful in the short and long term Mm
0: -hmm. there's there's a there's a trap with trying to to improve as a driver which is wanting wanting everything to be tangible you know like when you when you buy a part you you know what the part is you see the part the box comes in like we all like shiny things or or cool things. You open the box and there's like there's that reward of like, hey, I bought this thing, here's this thing now. I'm really excited about this thing. And that's cool. And there's there's absolutely a place for it. But driving instruction is one of those things where it's really hard to kind of oftentimes to justify putting money and energy in that direction. But with with good instruction, what well, it will pay dividends way down the road Mm -hmm. for all the reasons like that we we talked about to this point um my experience that i'll share i i did a full day with with mike pettiford who's been on here before maybe we need to get him back on to talk about driving instruction but it was expensive it was it was more than i wanted to spend at the time but it was at a time where i i really kind of felt like i just i was stuck i wasn't making any improvements or, or or anything like that and I was just, I had, I had had the experience with Mike where he had driven my car and he was like, just like in a whole nother zip code faster than me. And here I am just being stuck. And then he hops in the car and it's just like, holy crap, the car can do this. Like, uh, you know, it's just like, okay, well I need, I, I, that's, that's, that was for me what the justification was. Like I need, I just need a piece of that. So I spent a day Mm -hmm. with him and, and still to this day, it's one of the best things that I've ever done because. It, it changed my mindset as far as what's possible in a car. It, it kind of it kind of cemented this this mentality we've we've been talking about here, which is how much of a of an impact or a, an effect that you as the driver have on the car and what the car does, what the car can do. And and it's been that piece that that has kind of you know progressed forward uh, mm-hmm. to the point now where where I am. And it's so it's yeah getting getting some instruction and in, in kind of. Seeing what the car can do and really getting that feeling of, of what it is, what you can improve as, uh, or how much improvement you can have just as a driver can be just a huge, huge experience for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let, me, let me go on a
3: really quick tangent and I'll bring it back. Um, I'm developing an app about data at the track. It includes all kinds of stuff that you can, can keep track of, including all of the modifications you've done to your car. And your whole car's build sheet is saved to every session that you run. So you can say, you can look back at the beginning of the year and look at all the parts that you had listed. And at the end of the year, if you've changed parts, they'll be different um, attached to that lap time. Right. And we had an investor come in who was really interested in that aspect of it and was like, oh man, like you can attach this to like parts websites and you can start selling parts through your app. And, you know, you can start saying like, you know, these, these, this suspension component made somebody go half a second faster and you can start advertising that I'm like, no, 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 You can't do that. That's not, that's not how any of this works. Like Hmm. you can put, you can put components on your car. You can put new coilovers on your car and go exactly the same. You can put new coils or coilovers on your car. And then like, wow, I've got confidence. Now I'm not on stock suspension anymore. All of a sudden you drop two and a half seconds. Maybe the coilovers weren't the difference. Maybe it was the confidence. Maybe those coilovers allowed you to take a better line eat more easily, right? There's so many different variables attached to it. We can't sell parts and say, well, yeah, but these, these, uh, these lower control arms are going to drop half a second at high planes. You can't do that. You can't put a <laughs> time on a part.
2: Hmm. We, we should start putting together a, a minus 10-second lap at high planes package.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a, lot of stickers. a lot of stickers on that. Yeah, there you go. Yep. You know,
2: well, you know how when we were in uh, in high
1: school, we'd read those magazines. You had, like, the engine mods and the trans mods and then the in-car entertainment. How come yep. there was never, like, driving skill mod, like Skip Barber School, instructed yep. by <laughs> right, right? you know, 3R, 2-day. Yeah. Graduated to from NASA. Yep. Yeah, graduated from NASA.
0: Well, so what's interesting, Nigel, is you, you have just uh, shed some light on one of the potentially great mysteries out there when you're starting to modify your car, which is why doesn't this part work for me like it did for this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, because so many times like coilovers, all right, well, so-and-so put on the set of coilovers, wow, he's fast. You put that set of coilovers on, no difference.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, or, or like you put on this part or that part, no difference for you, but you've got this person out there that's like, two seconds faster what gives did i get a bad one did i is my part defective are they lying to me (laughs) right well and and and, uh gosh i think it was wasn't it trey where um somebody actually thought that like he was like doing something like had done something to the car or something like that because he was so fast or picked up so much time they thought
1: he was on e85
0: <laughs> right right just like that that he had he was he was like for whatever class he was in that he had gone beyond the rule set and was cheating mm-hmm. because he was so much faster but it's like well no i mean he's it as long as he as long as it doesn't come out but it, he, he just had put in the seat time he has the driver whether yep. he was using the car that was the difference and that could be yep. a massive difference and it's something like especially if you're trying to compare like what part is, works for this person and that person? I mean, that's that's something to factor into.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, I'm ready to throw out the devil's advocate. Everybody ready for it? All right,
0: do it. Do it.
1: Some some people just like spending that money. Like I don't get it. Uh, I mean, people like to. I know I hear it a lot from a lot of people. Well, I like building cars. That's part of the enjoyment. I like spending that money. I like you know. I want to have a car that's got all the fancy shit on it and stuff like that. I mean. I know that there are people who buy stuff because it's shiny and pretty and people are going to think it's cool that they have it. Like that's, I think that's a good chunk of the people out there. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. It comes back to my point at the beginning. What's your goal? Mm-hmm. If your goal is to knock down a lap time, there's many different ways to attack it. If your goal is to go to the track with the car that you've built and enjoy all the parts of it, you can throw as many parts as you want at it that you enjoy because of any reason. It's shiny, it's mm. got a cool brand name, whatever you you it's the right color. Mm-hmm. You know, either your neon green air oil separator isn't gonna make you faster on the track.
2: But, yeah, but feel if you don't, about it. If you mm-hmm. don't care about that lap time, that's perfectly fine. It exactly. really is perfectly fine until Exactly Until you start throwing out, well. The car understeers all over the place so now Mm. i need to throw more parts at it Mm -hmm. and and to that end though
3: if you don't care about the lap time you don't you're probably not caring about being the best driver you can be and in that way throwing parts at it is going to solve the problem because you're not adapting as a driver you're not conscious of your line through every corner you're not seeking out driving advice sure
1: and
2: i mean we, we don't mind those people maybe We're, this maybe this is the we'll PSA sell you those
1: parts. this is the PSA if you <laughs> like building cars don't be mad when somebody's got a, a much cheaper slower car than you is way faster than you,
0: yes. you right know? so, <laughs> so I would PSA. say so here's what I'd say though it, it kind of to your point Nigel I think you're building the car for an experience like like the 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 butt dyno is probably the, the biggest thing, the easiest thing that, that we can all experience, which is you, you mash the loud pedal and, and the car pushes you into the seat. And I just, I just want more of that. And so you build that and you have that much more fun experience when the car is accelerating. And, and where, where this happens oftentimes is you see the guy that's got the fully built engine is making 450, 500 horsepower and we've talked to them. They, you know what? I've, I see all these people going out to the track and being fast. I want to be that guy. I want to go out and experience that. So I'm going to take this car that I really have built to be, to be powerful and fast. And I like it. I think it's fun. I'm going to take it to the track and I'm going to see what happens. And they do. And when you, when you have that kind of power, like these are usually, this is usually where we then start talking about brakes because they nuke whatever brakes they have on there (laughs) that you, you put in a pad and, you come back and it's like, well, there was paint here. It's now burned off. There's just ash on the backside of your, your backing plate. And mm-hmm. like these pads are, are toast. And well, let's let's start talking about things in the package. So I would say that, that the, the motivation to take in what we've talked about to this point about driving and, and how to improve as a driver is that there's absolutely a place to put all of these parts and in, in, in build a car to this extent. They, you know, there's all these different classes, all these different applications for it. The the motivation to focus on improving as a driver, or, or what you're doing as a driver, is you're going to be able to use and enjoy all of those parts you're putting in the car so much more. Right. Down the line, lo- the, the this is where you know improving as a driver, the long term benefits just 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 grow and grow and grow, versus just getting a car dialed in and, and set up just so that like okay, this, I feel comfortable in this car. I'm okay. I'm reasonably quick in this car. But then you you hop in somebody else's car or a different car or you sell that and you get something else. And now it's like, man, this thing is, this thing is terrible. I don't even know where to start, you know? But it's like, if you know, if you have all that driving skill, like you're going to be, it's just, you're going to enjoy all of that process and all of those steps so much more. So that's, that, that would be my counter to your counterpoint.
1: Yeah. I mean, Driving school is cheaper than, uh, uh, than a AOS, right?
0: Sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, but you want to know what the cheapest thing out there is, is, is being humbled. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot right? of
1: egos getting in the way, huh? And a lot yeah, of times I mean, it's
2: free, <laughs> but you could spend $20,000 on this build. And, and, and let's say you're making 400 horsepower and you did all this stuff to your car and you go out and you're running, you know, Two twelves 12s at high planes because of just because you haven't put in the seat time. And then you get humbled by, uh, what year's your civ- civic, Brian. uh, 91 <laughs> and the 91 Honda civic running two Oh nines, you know, with, <laughs> yep. and, and how much horsepower does that thing make? Uh, 125, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like being humbled like that. I, I, I got humbled early on by, um, uh, an EG hatch out at high plains that just was tormenting me. And of course I was that asshole that didn't want to let somebody pass because I had an STI and it was way faster. And he like, I would pull away from him in the straights and he would, we would get in the corners and he would just fill up my mirrors and, you know, for like a lap and a half, I wouldn't let him pass. And I I finally did. And he just disappeared, you know, and this is a, a fairly stock, Civic EG Hatch, and that humbled, humbling experience right there was just like, holy shit! I have a lot to learn. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, was this like six weeks ago? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there was that crazy EG Hatch there that was at High Plains last time we were there that I think broke the TT2 track record. The
2: TT2 track record. I I mean, yeah, I would. He he spun on me at the beginning of. it was that that second session? He was right in front of me, and he spun coming out of turn five, and that was the last time I saw him. I mean, I wish I would have would have hung out a little bit more to actually see that how that car yeah. really
0: did. Yeah. In I, fact, I we have that pretty that, that last pod- podcast or a couple of podcasts ago. That yeah. that that video is in there.
1: Tej, I think, is his name. He, yeah. uh, I think, he ran a one fifty three. Is what he ended up running. Yeah. And that Civic, that TT2 Civic—I mean, faster than the Vipers and everything. I mean, that's pretty yeah. rowdy. Yeah. Wasn't that Civic though? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. <The tour>. right.
0: <laughs> well, but but uh, and the point still—the point is is a good one, Scotty, which is you know like uh, having a car that you just cannot catch, or you let them buy you, and then they just like they just walk away from you. It's like. That that often can be the inspiration of trying to figure out. Okay, well, what is going on? Is it is it the car? Is it me? Is it the driver? Is it the setup? Is it the tires? Like that experience can be the catalyst to to really really try and figure some stuff out. Really try and figure out what's going on. What what is the limiting factor and and improve it. And then again, like once you start to get to that point where you're getting those kind of improvements, that's where this that's where driving just becomes so much more fun because you're you you can feel that progress. You can really feel like things are happening. Things are, are really getting, getting better. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's hopefully where we all want to get at some point. So
2: hopefully, unless you just don't care and you just want to throw parts at your car.
0: Yeah. more blame. Well, there, There's a place for that too. But I mean, it's just, again, I think there's, there's a value in all of it really.
2: Hey, if those
1: people are going and doing that and they're going to track days, they got a much better shot than the guys who are doing that. They're going to car shows and getting faster on the track. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably not the smartest, the most cost effective or the quickest way really to figure it all out. But I mean, it's still one of the ways.
3: Yeah. That's what they love.
1: Yep. Yeah. Do it. I, well, it- trust me. It's funny for us to talk about having like stock cars when none of us have stock cars. <laughs> Like, I got two True. silly, stupid Subarus. Scotty Subaru doesn't even res- barely resembles one. Nigel's car is pretty I a, well.
3: I have a bone stocked WRX. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> and, he, and he, he does. Car, I've seen yeah. it. I've yeah.
0: seen it.
3: I have seen it i never not think I've ever tracked track. it. So.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> it's been to the track. It's been to High Plains. Okay. Has it? Yeah. What kind of times do you throw down track the day in it?
2: Well, oh, your first uh, ever track day was in yeah. it oh yeah. wow okay and then you bought the other one to turn into a race car yeah <laughs> okay gotcha <laughs> i didn't gotcha. want to break the one that was stock or or ruin it so
3: i
0: bought another one to ruin there you go it actually makes a lot of sense
1: <laughs> well yeah. point is is i think we all appreciate all aspects of it but we're trying to do it as you there is like the, there's a smart way to do it i mean I think with BMWs and Miatas and most Hondas, there's there's a pretty solid, easy to find formula on where to start, like from a modified car standpoint. But I feel like Subarus are just so much more all over the place in an era where I don't, th- I don't think all the information out there is that concrete, you know. And so I think you kind of have to be a little bit more open to try and make sure that you are doing what you need to do as a driver than uh, making all the silly mistakes that we can make, you know.
0: I would say I mean, with, with Subarus, it seems like it's very concrete and very tried and tested. But if you actually get in there and you start tracking the cars, you might mm-hmm. discover or find that, that that the answers that seem to be like concrete and resolute maybe are not quite so.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And we could do a whole podcast on parts that have been recommended for a Subaru that we would not recommend.
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. how many times
3: we talk people out of stuff here at the shop like no you really don't need to do that like you don't want to do that crazy stage two organic clutch like
0: yeah there's a lot of factors to that but yeah i mean that's that is that is a big piece of it it's and and sometimes you have to you have to take the bad advice follow the bad advice through and get the experience of like that didn't work yeah Yeah, but you you... can't realize okay i need to maybe be a little bit more critical about which path I'm going to go down.
3: If you're buying parts though, you can't afford to do that all the time. I mean, like I couldn't afford to buy all the wrong parts for my car and just follow bad advice and then have something go wrong on the track and be like, well,
0: starting over. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's, uh, that is a deep one. As we've been (laughs) going for almost an hour, I don't know if you even want to kick off down that path, but we've talked about it with, I mean, I remember when we talked about this with Ollie Clark, uh, you know just about like in this and, and kind of I guess it's relevant to this whole conversation because for for all of us here that, that work at Flatiron's, uh tuning and it, having been doing this for as long as we have a lot of the part the, the place that we start is having a conversation like like yes I mean people buy stuff blind over the internet and we just ship it out which is which is fine but when people have questions a lot of times it's like we have to have a conversation about it. it's like okay mm-hmm. you, you know wh- where where's the car doing this wh- what ki- type of corners what are you doing with the car you know what is what is your ultimate goal with the car and just kind of get the whole picture of what the problem is and what their wanted solution is and then what um you know what the options might be and then once we have that sometimes it's like okay yes you can do that but you should do this and that or sometimes it's like No, you really, you really want to go down this path and focus on reliability versus, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like a more holistic approach to the car versus just power and that sort of thing. It just, Mm -hmm. it's, it can all, it can definitely, it can definitely stem off from there, but, but you do that to try and avoid exactly those kinds of problems.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Yes. Well, I think that might be a really good topic for the next podcast. This, this might be as good a place as any to kind of wrap this one up. No, let's keep bullshitting. I don't really
2: want to go back to work. (laughs) <laughs> we could say we could let's do a four-hour podcast today.
1: Just,
0: uh, I, I wish, Scotty, but play I don't it all think, down. Huh? I don't <laughs> think. Could, that you imagine, the could you imagine?
1: Could you imagine how many YouTube ads you'd get through? Had to get through to watch a four-hour uh, Flat Irons podcast. Man. I can imagine.
0: I can imagine. It's gonna be like
1: 120.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, well, hopefully this this was a helpful conversation for you, and, and if you've listened to the end, thanks very much for for sticking with us uh, to this point, and thanks as always for your support. Um. I guess anybody else got anything else they want to add before we wrap this thing up?
2: Go tell your friends to listen to this podcast. If you're listening yeah. to it, go tell other people to listen to it. If there's, you've made uh, it to the
0: end, you should absolutely tell your friends to listen to the end of the podcast or, or, or at least check and, it out.
2: And, and maybe this one isn't the right podcast for them, but there's a bunch of other ones where we, we talk shit about a whole bunch of other things right. for an hour at that, a time. There's, there's something right. that will catch somebody's interest, so go tell your friends to listen. It's That's kind of right. fun to listen
1: to our earlier podcast still, because there's like a how much we've learned in like two years of doing this or a year and a half of doing this. And it's like, man, who was that idiot Ryan Desix before? <laughs> but it's so fun to hear too, because, you know, I don't know. I guess ultimately, just like Scotty's saying, if you're into cars, especially if you're in the Subarus, but even if you're into cars or motorsports, there's out of these 47, we mean 48, 48. episodes, uh, there's, there's definitely something in there for you. Hopefully there's and, something uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. No, there definitely is. Absolutely. I mean, there's just good jokes. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, true. There was, we yeah. used to fight the printer.
0: So, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes dogs come up. I mean, everybody yeah. loves dogs. Dogs are cool. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah.
1: doesn't love dogs. Yeah. Sam's got more Facebook followers than I do.
0: <laughs> that's right. Everybody loves dogs. Very cool. Right. Well, thanks very much guys for making the time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support out there. And uh, until next time, as always, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Flatirons Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Once again, we'd like to let you know that your support is what makes this show possible. Be sure to check out our online store at FlatironsTuning.com for any of your aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts needs. And as always, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning.